I invite you to take your Bible, iPad, iPhone, whatever you have, to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And I call your attention to verse 1. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 reads like this. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as fire, and it set upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Folks, I want to take a few moments, and I want to talk to you about a wind from elsewhere. A wind from elsewhere. I read an article one time about a pollution problem they was having in California. They was having a severe pollution problem, and they hired this community, hired an environmental expert to come and assess the problem. And the environmental expert came, and he assessed the pollution problem there in California. And he came back, and he presented this report. He said, uh, I really don't have any solution. He said, I have no solution for your pollution problem. He said, what you really need is a wind from elsewhere. You need a wind to come and sweep through and blow all the pollution out to the sea. You need a wind from elsewhere. And folks, when I look at the spiritual condition of our land and I look at the spiritual condition of the church with seven churches a day closing their doors, 1,500 pastors every month walking away from the ministry, I can't help but believe what we truly need more than anything else is we need a win from elsewhere. Our strategies, our methods, our resources, our intellect is not solving the problems. We need a win from elsewhere. I remember years ago, I was a young preacher, and when I was younger, I would be invited to speak more at more youth camps. And I was invited to this youth camp, just high energy, low IQ. But I went to preach, and I was preaching to young people. And I noticed those young people began to give their lives to the Lord. They began to get saved. And I noticed a large amount of them started giving their lives to the Lord. And then I would go at night, and I would preach in the tabernacle. And I noticed adults were coming. And adults were coming forward and giving their lives to the Lord. And that tabernacle started filling up. And they couldn't get all the people in the tabernacle. And I would preach at night, and people would be outside of the tabernacle, and they'd be sitting on cars, and there would be services where I would get up and I would speak. I'd get behind the pulpit, and I'd say, folks, I'm so afraid I'm going to interfere. There's somebody here far greater than me, and I feel like I just need to get out of the way. 
and I'd just move out of the way. I wouldn't preach. And I'd say, start singing. And scores of people would come and give their lives to the Lord. And then people would drive down the road to this camp meeting and they would stop. Now, you may not believe this. Somebody said after hearing Brother Benny preach, you may not believe what he believes, but you'll believe he believes what he believes. But people would drive down the road and they would stop and they would say, I just sent something. I just felt like I ought to stop. And they would stop and they would come to the camp meeting and they would give their lives to the Lord. See, folks, it had, not, it had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with me. It had everything to do where we were experiencing a win from elsewhere. And folks, what we need today, whether we be Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, Presbyterian, really, I'm the president of our denomination, and I could really care less about any of that. That's all man-made. The Lord just sees one church, those that have been washed in the blood of the Lamb. It matters not to me. It matters not to me if you're Catholic or Presbyterian or Methodist. Somebody said, do you take great pride in being a Methodist? Oh, no, 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 no. Too many of them are in jail. I don't take any great pride in that. I love what James A. Stewart said. He said, as long as the blessed Holy Spirit himself, the great standing miracle abides and works on earth, the church's potential is the same as it was in the apostolic days. Now, what they experienced on Pentecost was a win from elsewhere. And I want us to look at this, and I want us to see some things. The first thing I want you to see is the meeting of the saints. In Acts 2 and 1, the Scripture says, when Pentecost was come, which Pentecost only means 50, by the way, they were in one accord in one place. You said, Pastor Benny, why were they there? Why were they in that upper room that I've taken many of you to? Why were they there in that upper room? Well, you've got to read Luke 24, Luke 24 and 49, Jesus said before he ascended to heaven, he said, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry you in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Now, here's what I want you to see. Jesus said, don't you go out and try to do anything till you're endued with power from the Holy Spirit. Don't you go out and try to do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't try anything without the power of the Holy Spirit. I love what A.W. Tozer said. He said, if the Holy Spirit was withdrawn from the church today, 95% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. If the Holy Spirit had been withdrawn from the New Testament church, 95% of what they did would stop and everybody would know the difference. 
What's God saying to us? He's saying, don't you try to do anything without my Holy Spirit. Don't you try to do anything without the Spirit. A church organist walked into her church. She was carrying bags of groceries. In one bag, she had four steaks. In another bag, she had two packs of ground beef. And she walked up, and she put them in the pulpit. The pastor said to her, why did you put those steaks and ground beef in the pulpit? She said, because I want to keep them cool, and that's the coldest place in the church. Let me tell you something, folks. If you've got a snowman in the pulpit, you'll have icicles in the pews. And many times we're trying to do things. We're going through the motions without the Holy Spirit. And we need him, ladies and gentlemen, more than we need anything else, more than we need the lights, more than we need the instruments, more than we need the facilities, more than we need the resources, more than we need the PowerPoint, more than we need the strategy. We need the blessed Holy Spirit more than anything else. See, I want you to see something. I want you to see a special obedience, a special obedience. See, Jesus said, you wait 10 days at Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit will come. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit and obedience go hand in hand. The Holy Spirit and obedience go hand in hand. Acts chapter 5 verse 32 says, the Holy Spirit is given to those that obey God. See, there's a scripture, 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face. You know the kind of life I want to live? I want to live a life where I can look God in the face. When I was in school, I didn't do so well. I acted silly a lot. And I didn't make the best grades. And I'd get that report card, and I'd change those grades. And then I'd give that report card to Mama. While Mama was looking at that report card, I never could look at her. Because I knew I was deceiving Mama. I knew I was lying. I couldn't look her in the face. Don't you want to live a life where you can look the Lord in the face? That comes through being obedient. Through an obedient We had a governor one time, and I would meet with him on a regular basis and pray with him. And I'd say, Governor, how can I pray for you? He said, Pastor, pray that I'll be obedient because I've learned if I'm obedient, it will take care of everything else in my life. A special obedience. But I want you to see something else. A special oneness. Look what it says in verse 1. 
it says they were in one accord, in one place, in one accord. Now think about this. You see, Pastor Benny, I want the Holy Spirit. Well, your relationship, well, your wife's not right. You're not any, you don't have a cord in your marriage. You, you don't have a cord in your marriage. How can you have the Holy Spirit working in your life? How can the Holy Spirit come upon you when, when your relationship with your mates not even right? No, no, it, it's not going to happen. How can you have the Holy Spirit when you go to church and here's a businessman and there's a businessman and they can't speak to each other? How, how can you have the Holy Spirit in your life when, when, when you, you look across the aisle and there's somebody there that you've got a problem with? How, how can you have the Holy Spirit? You can't speak to that person and you shun that person. How can we have the Holy Spirit? I love Cameron. How, how can we have the Holy Spirit with, if we have disharmony? How can we have the Holy Spirit on our choir if choir members don't like each other? How can we have the Holy Spirit if we're upset because he sang on the praise team and I didn't? How can we have the Holy Spirit? How can we have the Holy Spirit, folks, if you, if you don't have harmony on the platform? And by the way, let me make this injection. It's just that. It's a platform. It's not a stage. A stage is performing. But a platform is for influencing people. Oh, folks, it's not a stage. We're not stars. We're not rock stars. I'm no rock star. There's only one star. It's Jesus Christ. He's the bright and morning star. It's him. That's why we've gathered here, to look to him. But how can we have, how can we have the Holy Spirit if we don't have a special oneness? How can we have the Holy Spirit if we don't have unity? How can we have, oh, let me tell you something, folks. There's something more important than musical harmony. It's harmony with people. Years ago, I preached at a church, and the lady, uh, a lady was the pastor, and you say, Pastor Benny, I don't, I, don't, I don't know about that. Get real, Vern. He used a rooster and a donkey. He used a rooster and a donkey. He's using Benny Tate. Who am I to say he can't use somebody? Amen? And I preached one night. And after I finished preaching... That lady pastor said to me, this is wonderful. And I said, sis, what's wonderful? She said, people are speaking. They're hugging necks. She said, you don't understand, Brother Benny. They'd walk into the church, and they wouldn't speak to each other. And you think you're going to have the Holy Spirit and having that junk going on? I've got a Greek word for that, baloney. Baloney! Don't tell me how you're filled with God's Holy Spirit and you've got malice and, and anger in your heart for somebody else. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. 
You said, well, Brother Benny, I'm not coming back no more. Well, I'll just load your wagon while I've got you here. It doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. And they started loving one another. And she said, this is wonderful. And the next night I went and I preached in this little church with a lady pastor. And a man came down and he gave his life to Christ. And you know what she said to me? We've been praying for him for years. What would happen, folks? What would happen? A special obedience. A special oneness. But let me tell you something else. A special obligation. Let me, let me tell you what Pentecost was about. It was a Jewish feast that was 50 days from Passover. And what the people did... They grew their crops. They grew their wheat. And on Pentecost, they would bring the first two loaves. And they would bring it to the temple saying, God, thank you for the harvest. Thank you for the harvest. You know, folks, what Psalms 104 says? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. See, I see the meeting of the saints. But I see something else. <laughs> I see the meaning of the symbols. See, first of all, they were all gathered here. And the Bible says there was a sound as a mighty rushing wind. A sound as a mighty rushing wind. Here's what the Lord showed me, folks. Genesis 2 and 7 says this. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Physical life happened because God breathed into man. But spiritual life only happens by the breath of God. All oh, folks, for a church to have life, it only happens by the breath of God. Now, here's what I want you to see, too. The Bible says, folks, it happened while they were sitting. It happened while they were sitting. See, I've been in churches where we do everything to try to work something up. And the Holy Spirit supposedly only happens when there's a keychain in the music. The Holy Spirit only comes during the key change of the music. But I've got a word for that, baloney, folks. Baloney. We don't need to work anything up. We need to pray everything down. We need the Holy Spirit to come, and it matters not what's going on. We can literally be setting and the presence of God come in a great way. Now, not only... Was there the sound? But there was the sights. Look what verse 3 says. It says, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire. Now, somebody said, Brother Benny, they was breathing fire on the day of Pentecost. That's not what the scripture says. 
It says lack as fire. Fire, ladies and gentlemen, symbolizes the presence of God. Jesus said in Matthew 3 and 11, or John said it in Matthew 3 and 11, he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. You know what fire does, folks? Fire gives you light. Fire gives you light. Abraham Lincoln would take his Bible and read it by the fire because it gave him light. You know what the Holy Spirit does? It enlightens this Word. It makes it come alive. It helps you to understand it. He does. You know what the Holy Spirit does? The Holy Spirit purifies. That's what fire does. It melts away the drouse. And what the Holy Spirit will do in our life, it will melt away the drouse. You know, you know what the Holy Spirit will do? The Holy Spirit will, just like fire, it will warm you up. Amen. A fire warms you up. Oh, folks, we're, we're the called and chosen, not the cold and frozen. Amen? Oh, fire warms you up. John Wesley said if a man will get on fire for God, people will come and watch him burn. Oh, I see the meaning of the saints. I see the meaning of symbols. Let me give you one more and I'm done. I see the ministry of the Spirit. The ministry of the Spirit. Now, here's what I want you to know. The people were here. Keep in mind, it's Pentecost. You're bringing your offering. Get this, because this is so important. People were here from 15 different nations. Different languages, different dialects. And look what verse 7 says. Once they got here, they were amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? You believe what you want to believe, folks. I'm just preaching the Scripture. Nothing more, nothing less. Nothing more, nothing less. And the Bible says people here from 15 different nations heard the gospel in their language. That's what the book says. What, does, what do you mean, Brother Benny? It means Pastor Benny is in Japan, and God empowers me. And I speak Japanese. You say, can God do that? He did. He did. They heard the gospel in their language. You say, Pastor Benny, why did the Holy Spirit come? Acts 1 and 8. But ye shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Why? Why do I need the Holy Spirit? Why do you need the Holy Spirit? And you'll be witnesses in Jerusalem. Oh, now wait, folks. I want you to get this. 
I'm all for going to Haiti. I'm all for going to Africa. I'm all for going to Israel and share the gospel. But the first place he said you need to share the gospel is in Jerusalem. Where was that? That's Pike County. That's Orchard Hill. That's Milner. That's Barnesville. That's Jackson. That's Flippin. That's Flovilla. Those metropolises. Oh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Hey, listen, folks, you can fly over a mission field to get to a mission field. You can fly over a mission field to get to a mission field. Oh, folks, let's don't be excited about world missions if we're not doing it right at home. And he said, you're going to be empowered so you can share the gospel. Beginning at Jerusalem, moving to the country of Judea, moving to the continent of Samaria. But that's the reason for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. For many, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? If you're writing, write this down. It means to be dominated, controlled, led, and governed by the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you this story, and I'm done. I've told the story many times. I was 16 years old, and I got saved. I'd never been in church with my mother. I'd certainly not in church with my father because I didn't even know who he was. 16 years old, Clayton Jones said, Benny, you've got to pray the sinner's prayer. I said, I I don't know what the sinner's prayer is. And he said, well, you've just got to acknowledge you're a sinner. You've got to believe Christ died and you've got to confess your sins to him but he said I understand you don't know and he said what I'm going to do I'm going to pray the prayer and you pray it with me and that's why to this very day folks I give an invitation the way I do because I just assume there's some bennies out there that don't know. And I want to make it just as simple as I possibly can. So I I prayed that prayer and I asked Christ to come into my heart. And I don't know how to explain it, folks. What I didn't understand and what I didn't know at that time is the Holy Spirit came into my life. I didn't know. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand the Holy Spirit came into my life. But I went to bed that night, and I thought, what am I going to tell the, the guys that I drank with? What am I going to tell the guys that I tell the dirty jokes with? What am I going to tell the guys that I've done a lot of other things that I shouldn't have done with? What what am I going to tell them? I can't tell them I've got religion. 
And then I said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to continue to live the way I lived, and I'm going to be a Christian too. And I'm sure not going to share what happened tonight with my buddies. But I got up the next morning, and I had a Honda 354-cylinder motorbike. And I got on it, and I rode down to Franklin Johnson service station. And I saw Frank Garrison. And I saw Tim Hancock. And I said, boys, I got saved last night. Greatest thing ever happened to me. I'd planned not to tell. But I was so full of the Holy Spirit. I just had to share it. And I went around telling everybody about what the Lord had done for me. And I thought it was me, but it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit inside of me. It was the Holy Spirit. You know what I pray, folks? I pray that this week that we experience the Holy Spirit in such a way that we just have to egg people. I pray we get so full of God, so full of the Holy Spirit that we just have to take eggs. We just have to put something in the egg. We'd have to invite somebody to church for Easter. Because see, look, look, look. How many of you have got family members and friends that don't know the Lord? Raise your hand. Now let me tell you something. Romans 10 and 13 says this. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But many times we read verse 13, but we don't read verse 14. Verse 14 says, How shall they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe upon him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? See, I know you want them to be saved, and I want my family members and friends to be saved, but they got to hear the gospel. And that might just happen because you egged them. Over the past few years, I believe I'm a different individual because over the past few years, I realized, folks, how much we need the Holy Spirit. I can't be the right husband. I won't be the right husband without the Holy Spirit. I can't be the pastor you need without the Holy Spirit. Without him governing, dominating, and being filled with him, I, I can't be the pastor I need to be. I just can't do it. We need more of him. Friend, you need more of him. So, Brother Benny, I can't overcome what's going on in my life. I know you can't, but he can. And the secret is we need more of him. And the only way to get more of God is to give God more of you. Friend, I trust the message today has spoken to your heart. And if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, 
I want to challenge you to do that today. It's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And I've often said, it's as simple as ABC. A stands for acknowledge. You've got to acknowledge that you're a sinner. B stands for believe. You've got to believe that Christ and His blood was shed on the cross for your sin. And then C, you simply must confess your sins to Him. I want to encourage you right now to repeat a simple prayer with me. I'll pray the prayer. You repeat it with me if you'd like to accept Christ as your personal Savior. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. But God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm so sorry I want to change. I believe that you died for my sin. And I confess my sin to you right now. Come into my heart, Lord, and forgive me of all my sin. Now thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. Thank you for coming in to my life. Amen. Friend, congratulations on the greatest decision that you'll ever make. And I want you to know, this decision is not based on how you feel right now. Because God's not a feeling. He's a fact. This decision is based on the fact that you have done what God's Word says you must do to have eternal life. So congratulations on the greatest decision you'll ever make. And thank you for being with us today. God bless you, and we'll see you soon.